Well, thank you, Steve. Good morning. Welcome to you all. Let me add my welcome to you if you are new with us this morning. Great to see new faces. Nothing wrong with the old faces, but I like new faces. Steve and I were preparing a little bit for the service today, and I don't know why, uh, but every time he'd suggest a passage to use, I'd say, oh, sorry, mate, I've got that one. Well, what about, no, I'm using that one as well. Finally, he says, well, how about numbers? I said, sorry, Steve, I'm using that one too. So the only thing I'm expecting out of Steve this, uh, this morning is really only revelation. Uh, so we'll see how we go. Peace has a name. Peace has a name. You, if you were with us last week, uh, you will remember that Dave spoke uh, about a wreath that had four candles that were lit in Advent. And uh, what was the first one, Dave? Hope. Hope, past, present and future. And that candle had been lit last week. This week I'm lighting another one. I'm lighting the second one called Peace as we make our way to Christmas. I was confronted as I woke, though, the other morning with a, a text message from someone who has an intimate understanding of the Middle East and particularly the Israel-Palestinian conflict. And I'm sure that many of you also know this fellow and probably follow his podcasts to stay abreast of what's happening uh, out there. This report, like all though that had come before, was filled with accounts of unmentionable violence and man's inhumanity to man. Sadly, this has though become commonplace and, and we all know what the content of our TV news hour looks like. It can be emotionally disturbing at best, if not totally depressing for the human soul. You know, there's a whole generation who now don't even watch TV at all. Uh, I said to my son the other day something about, did you see, he said, I haven't seen TV for yonks. They just don't watch it anymore. Because it's negative, it's unreliable, and its content is distressing. There is a, a young generation of both adults and children who have never known peace. Never known what peace looks like. Never lived in peaceful situation. Uh, who have only ever witnessed warfare and death and destruction as their everyday norm. How depressing. But it wasn't always so. The world wasn't always in this state of conflict, a place of chaotic disorder and violence. And mankind was not made with the intention that we should live self-centred lives of greed and animosity, self-serving and uncaring. And yet as we listen to the outcry from both sides of the conflict, we realise that although it's certainly on different terms, they would both lay claim to simply wanting peace. 
this morning, this second candle which we've lit will lead us to this topic of peace. Perhaps one of the most, arguably one of the most sought after of all human conditions. Peace. There seems to be in defining peace two distinct, I'll call it applications. Though they both come from a similar theme, the word, the Hebrew word for peace here is shalom. And I'm sure most of you will have heard it and have heard it being used or perhaps seen even in some movies where some would say shalom and they will intend it as something of a greeting. But it also describes this state of rest, a condition free from hostility and tension and enmity. And so the first facet, I guess, of peace is a peace with other people. A peace on this level. But that peace leans upon more an external application. The sense here is peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment, safety, friendship, welfare, health, prosperity. And that's quite a broad set of distinctives or or characteristics for this thing called peace. And of course, we could understand, excuse me, (coughs) we would understand that this is a more temporal state of being, right? It's a temporal state of being which is dependent upon our activities. It depends upon our attitudes, our, our thoughts and philosophies aligning with others. And there seems to be, at least on the surface, no tension or conflict. It, it's, it's good. But this type of peace is perhaps better attributed to what we would call happiness. Happiness. That state of being where our emotions and our desires in response are in response to favourable happenings. Someone once said, happiness depends upon happenings. But if that's true, then we're in trouble because our inner peace is at the mercy of external affairs and forces over which we have absolutely no control. But is that real peace? Well, there is another aspect of peace which the Bible speaks of and it's not that temporal, conditional peace which is subject to the whims and fancies, the impulses of fallen humanity. Rather, this peace given to a person is not subject to any conditions or forces. This is an inward peace which rather than rely upon the circumstances of life has its legitimacy and its effectiveness firmly attributed to the person who gives it. In fact... We're told that this peace, as we'll discover, is not earned, nor is it a result of any human effort, but rather it's imputed. We've heard that word before, right? 
imputed, given to us, imparted to us, attributed, and it's given to us as a covenant condition. It is, in fact, a gift of God's grace. This peace was first alluded to back in Genesis chapter 3. I know Dave had it last week as well. Although not explicitly stated, the first messianic prophecy in the Bible is found in the third chapter of Genesis. God says, I will put hostility between you and the woman, speaking, of course, of the serpent, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he will strike your head and you will bruise his heel, Genesis 3 and 15. Here as God speaks uh, to the evil serpent, that is Satan, we learn that Jesus, the promised one, born to a virgin, her offspring would suffer temporarily on a cross, but would gain final victory over the enemy. And so through this selfless sacrifice, he would bring peace between man and God. This was the first promise of peace. This more permanent peace is sustainable and and effective because it has its source external to the human, fallen human condition. Back in Genesis, we read of Abram, who was clearly the recipient of God's grace, even though his offspring would indeed feel the sting of God's judgment and discipline. But God promised Abram, he says, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good age. That's the first actual mention in the Bible of peace, shalom. Shalom is a covenant promise. This peace of God's promise made to God's people. This is God's promise made to God's people. But God's grace and peace is not just reserved for the Old Testament saints and it actually finds its fulfilment more in the New Testament. It's there we read in Luke 2 and 4 that the angels declared at Jesus' birth glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Wow. It's finally coming. Can you see that this new covenant which Jesus had come to deliver is a new covenant of peace? It was brought about, it was wrought through his blood and it's only through his blood that man can ever know true peace. Most certainly, friends, peace does have a name. And its name is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But Jesus wasn't just the agency or conveyance for God's covenantal peace. In fact, he himself is our peace. Listen to Paul uh, speaking in Ephesians 2. He says, says here, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. 
Original sin and our fallen human condition made this moral chasm between us and God. But now, verse 13, but now. Oh, praise God for but nows. But now. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who are near. Peace. God's promise of peace, though, is not just some historical keepsake meant to help Abraham and the the nation of Israel to walk with God, but it actually is as relevant and intended just as much for us today and for every other believer who trusts in Christ now and in the future. This peace of God is for you today with all its life's challenges and struggles. It's in the midst of those struggles that God's peace can settle your churning heart. It can still that whirling mind That's why Jesus said, cast all your cares on me. All your cares, that's your struggles, that's your disappointments, that's your heartaches. Cast them on me, he said, for I care for you. And the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, said the same thing. He said, do not be anxious about anything. Oh, big call. Big call when you're sick. Don't be anxious, Bill. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. But covenantal peace is also eternal. It's not just for here. Abraham, like Abraham, we too who know Christ shall go to your fathers in peace. But to whom has this promise or covenant been given? Whose right is it to go in peace? Who is it that can live confident of God's peace being their right, their covenant blessing? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 that only born again believers can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Nicodemus, John 3, came to Jesus, started to tell him a big long tale. Jesus just cut to the quick and says, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Yeah, you might think, uh, well, sorry. So we can never experience the peace of God. Listen until we've got peace with God. 
Be clear on that. Now you might think, well, hey, that, that's a little bit, that's a little bit adversarial, Pete. You make it sound like uh, God and God and us are at sort of loggerheads. We're at war. We're enemies. Well, I'm glad you picked that up <laughs> because we are 100% correct. That is if you've never accepted his free and gracious gift of salvation, which only comes by faith in Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf on Calvary's cross. Jesus is called, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, our mediator. It says, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Hebrews 9 and 15, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. And then in Hebrews 12, 24, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. You see, friends, you don't need a mediator if the parties are living in harmony. A mediator is only required where there is disunity and division and animosity and hostility. If you've been following the news, you'll know that various countries... Have, have, have sought to reconcile the warring parties of Palestine and Israel. They've tried to mediate a peace. But any peace that they are able to offer will be fragile, it will be temporary, and it will be uncertain. Compare that to what we read in Isaiah 54 and verse 10. For the mountains may depart and the hills be, be removed. But God says, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed. Says the Lord who has compassion on you. And just back one chapter, the prophet writes how this cessation of hostilities, this reconciliation is to be achieved. Isaiah 53.5 But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we're healed. Who is Isaiah speaking of? Asked the eunuch to Philip. <laughs> who is this man that they're writing of? And today you may be asking, who, who is this one who was pierced for our transgressions? Who, who was it that took God's holy wrath and chastisement upon himself for me and for you? Who is it that suffered wounds that led to his death so that that great chasm 
between God and us could be closed. That my and your spiritual disease could be healed. Well, friends, it's only ever been and it will only ever be the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, by believing this and responding by faith and by living in the light of that truth is how we obtain that peace. First, with God. That is, the hostilities have ceased. And then through that new or rather restored relationship, we become the heirs, the recipients of his peace. There's always unrest within the unsaved human heart. It's always in turmoil. And even for those of us who trust in Jesus, sometimes become anxious and a little overwhelmed with the stuff of life. I get that. But it's because God is faithful even when we are not that we can have that confidence to accept God's promises such as we've just read in Philippians about being anxious for nothing. What a promise. And you can hang on to it, not because of anything in us, but because of his faithfulness. As I, rec- uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, peace is not only a rare commodity these days, but it is perhaps, I think, next to love itself, one of our greatest needs. Isn't it? Isn't that what we yearn for? Peace. Peace in our time. Perhaps that's borne out in Jesus' parting statement to his beloved disciples. Jesus' time to depart was at hand. And and we know, don't we, that our last words are are important. They're the things that are, are foremost in our heart and mind when we share final words, whether it's someone passing or going on a long trip. And don't forget to put the cat out. Have you turned the gas off? Right? The important stuff of life. Jesus' time to depart was at hand. And next to the Great Commission itself, it seems this was certainly of utmost importance to Jesus, who said, from John 14 and 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. (laughs) Don't let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Hasn't that always been the message of angelic hosts who come? Fear not. Be not afraid. And now Jesus himself. Peace I leave with you. My peace. I do not give as the world gives. How does the world give? Temporarily. Conditionally. Everything's conditional, right? If you, then I. (laughs) No. 
Knowing our frailty and our natural inclination to worry, Jesus bestows upon them one of his greatest gifts, and that is peace. And it's through this peace with God that we can know the peace of God. Also, in the midst of our daily, disturbing, often busy lives. Notice too that he said that he will guard both the heart and the mind in Christ Jesus. Hearts and head are both cared for by Christ's peace. And that covers every aspect of our life, doesn't it? Not just our thinking and planning, our organising of stuff. The stuff that makes our head whir. Gee, I, I, I woke up about three o'clock this morning. My head was just going for it. I should have cried out to God for peace. But instead I tried to solve the problems of the world. Didn't get much sleep. Heads and hearts are both covered. And of course with the heart, that aspect of our life as our dreams, our affections and our relationships, those things that are kind of nebulous and are so prone to going wrong. <laughs> Peace, shalom. You see, there's always a deep and innate need for mankind to be at rest to know peace, to dwell in that God-given shalom. Hence, the greatest gift was given. And we celebrate him at Christmas. He was only a babe, yet he was born the Prince of Peace, the mighty God. Peace was promised, and it came. In the person of Jesus Christ, the mediator of a new covenant in his blood. And you can both now know peace with God and also his peace can be your possession today. Simply by recognizing that you are living in rebellion to God. And by giving up on your own sinful, self-centered, self-serving life and by faith, accepting his offer of salvation. By faith. You see, that, friends, is what Christmas is really about. I mentioned numbers, 6, 24 to 26. We're going to conclude this morning with the ironic benediction this is the blessing which was spoken. And I'd like to bless you all with it. Would you stand for me as we have the benediction and remain standing because I'll hand over to Alyssa who will lead us in our final song. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you, Alyssa.